All right. How we doing? It's good to see you guys. Yeah, give yourselves a hand for being at church. Yep. So good to see you. Those of you who are right here in this room or if you're joining us online, thanks for being a part of this. Um, have you ever experienced something that made you say, that's crazy? You know what I'm talking about? I mean, maybe it was a mind-blowing sunset. Or maybe it was like you, you saw somebody with their outrageous generosity. Or you texted a friend and it took them 24 hours to text you back. <laughs> or you had chocolate. I mean, real chocolate for the very first time. And you just said, that's crazy. It was so good you couldn't believe it. And there's a guy by the name of John. He was one of Jesus' apostles. And when he started writing about the love of God, he basically wrote the equivalent of <laughs> the love of God for you, for me. That's crazy. And so I want to talk to you today about crazy love, about the crazy love of God. And we're going to see people who have already responded to the crazy love of God uh, get baptized today. They're already planned to do that. In fact, last service we had 15 baptisms, four, I think four or five that were planned. And then like 11 or 10 people spontaneously responded to be baptized. Yeah. So 11 o'clock service, you got to beat them. You got to outdo that. So we're going to watch these planned baptisms. I'm going to talk a little bit about the love of God. I'm going to invite you to respond to the love of God and say yes to Jesus if you've never done that. And then I'm going to invite you to be baptized today. So you can listen to everything that I'm going to be talking about kind of through that filter. But I want to start with a phrase. I know you've heard it before. I know you've seen it before. But it's this phrase right here uh, in 1 John uh, 4. We're going to get there eventually. Uh, but this is the phrase. God loves you. Now, when you hear that, you're like, that's it? It falls kind of flat, right? Because, oh, I've heard about that. I've seen that. I've read that. I already know that, Scott. What else do you have for me? And, and I think that that falls flat because it's so familiar. But if you take those three words and you, you, you step back and, and, and you probe them a little bit, those Three words, and that phrase can go from familiar and flat to absolutely mind-blowing. When you take all these words and you kind of just one by one talk about them, and that's what we're going to do today. So let's start right here with God. So what is this God that we're talking about? I'm going to give you four descriptions of God with some scripture so you can wrap your mind around this is the God that we are talking about, all right? Uh, first, he's incomparable. Isaiah the prophet said, to whom can you compare God? You can't. There's no one. There's no thing. When you stand back and you look at God, when you stack anything or anyone up against God, they will always fall woefully, woefully short. Nobody, nothing can be compared to our God. All right. Number two, he's infinite. Before the mountains were born, the psalmist said, or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Jesus himself said, I am the alpha and the what? Anybody? The omega. The, he, he's the beginning and the end, and he's everything in between, but he has no beginning and he has no end because he is infinite. That's the God that we're talking about. Uh, number three, 
He's perfect. God cannot be tempted by evil, James says, nor does he tempt anyone. So God's perfect not only in what he does, but morally, God is absolutely perfect. Unlike us, we're not perfect. We're imperfect. We sin. We fail. We falter. We hurt people. That's a part of our nature, but the nature of God is that He is perfect. And the last one is that He's self-sustaining. Paul said, and recorded by Luke in the book of Acts, human hands can't serve His needs, for He has what? No needs. So when you think about this God, this infinite, everlasting, unchanging, incomparable God, there's a lot of things that you would think that this God would do, okay? You would think that, well, he would create, he would judge, he would discern, he would declare, but to love? Say it with me. That's crazy. To love? That's crazy. And, and it, depending on what you think about you and, and, and how lovable you are, uh, <laughs> You might think about God loving you like, one of the, like a movie, you know, where there's, there's the geek, right? And, and there's this beautiful girl that's pursuing him. And then about a couple of weeks in, he's kind of like, no, why, why do you like me? And he finds out it was all a dare. It was a cruel joke. That there was no love there at all. There were, the, she, she wasn't attracted to him at all. And you're like, some of you are like, is that what God does to me? I mean, is God really, really, does he really love me? You see, it's not in God's character or God's nature to punk you about his love for you. It's genuine. It's absolutely real. And if you look at the second word, there's God and then there's love, you say, well, what is it about God and love? Why does God love? The, the first reason that God loves is because of who God is. The writer John said God is love. It's not just something that he does. It is inherent in his nature. And if somebody was to ask John, hey, can you tell me something about God? There's a lot of things he could have said about God, but he chose as the fundamental expression of the character and the essence of God, he said it is love. That's the number one thing. In fact, he would actually say it this way, love is God's essence. And I don't know if you're familiar with that term, but, uh, and not to get too technical, but on a scientific level, uh, essence is the fundamental essential properties of something that makes it what it is. And if you take those properties out of that something, it ceases to be what it is. For example, um, the essence of chocolate is cocoa, okay? So you have chocolate, right? If you were to take cocoa its essence, out of chocolate, it ceases to be chocolate. In fact, it turns into this thing called white chocolate. That's not chocolate, folks. That's gross, in fact. I mean, it shouldn't even exist. And, and, and this is really what, what the writers of Scripture are telling us, is that if you were to take love away from God, God ceases to be God. Mind-blowing, right? That means that everything that God does is loving. 
You can filter every action of God through his very essence. So uh, God creates out of love. God judges out of love. God answers your prayers out of love. God says no to your prayers out of love. Everything that God does is loving. There's nothing that God does that isn't motivated by his love. In fact, you could actually say uh, God can't not love. It's just who God is. But love is not uh, just God's uh, essence. Here's another thing. Love is actually God's choice. And, and the love of God isn't like the sun, you know, where it's just kind of emanating out of him. No, no, no. God chooses this. It is a determinative act of God to step into the life of his creation. And he says, I choose to love. God wants to love. God delights in loving. And when God moves to his, toward his creation, he is moving toward them in love. And when he moves toward us, his special creation, when we respond, not passively, but actively to God's act of love, it changes everything in our lives. Now, love, though, isn't fully known uh, by us uh, from God unless it is both expressed and received, okay? It, it has to go both ways. God has to, to, to move toward us, but we have to respond to that, right? It, it's kind of like when I was dating Donita. Uh, I didn't really say I love you for a long, long time. I, I didn't, I didn't want to talk about that word. I was scared to use that word. And I also knew that the moment I said I love you, she would get down on her knee and ask me to marry her. And I was like, I'm not ready. Not ready for that. Not true, not true. Uh, not ready for that. But I knew how important that word was. And so I held off until I felt like, it, it, is, is, is this right? Is this the right time? And so when I said I love you to her and then she said I love you back to me, that meant something. But it wasn't until we both said I do, not I love you, but I do, that the fundamental nature of our relationship changed. It went from a dating couple to a covenant marriage. It literally changed our identity as people. And this is what the writers of Scripture are saying about the love of God. It can literally change your identity. God loves, and then here's the final word, you, you. And you go, I, I know, I, yeah, I, I know that. But this is a bigger deal than you think because when you think about you and you think about this incomparable eternal, perfect, self-sustaining God uh, uh, who needs nothing, and, and don't get mad at me if, if I'm the first person ever told you this, um, you really don't have that much in you that makes God want to love you. I mean, you're not that special. I mean, neither am I. In fact, look at it this way. God doesn't love you because you're special. God's love makes you special. It's all what God does because left on our own, we're not that great. In fact, the writer Paul, from his point of view and his understanding of God's point of view, is that before we intersected with the love of God in a personal way, he put it this way. He says, we were by nature children of what? Wrath. Like, what does that mean? It means that because of our natural bent 
towards sin and because of our active choices that have hurt uh, ourselves and others, we actually deserve God's wrath and God's judgment. We don't deserve God's love. That, that's kind of where we were. And that's why the you and God loves you is so significant because you and I were not that interesting to be loved. And, and this is what makes the love of God so crazy, okay? I, I'm, I'm getting ready to unpack this a little bit more. But before I go there, I want to take you into a boat 2,000 years ago, and there's a big storm, and the disciples are in this boat, and Jesus is sleeping in the back. Maybe you've heard this story. Anybody heard this story? So it's getting pretty crazy out there, and all of a sudden, they think they're going to capsize and drown and die, and so they wake Jesus up, and they said, Master, don't you care that we're getting ready to die? Jesus gets up from his nap, and with a word, he speaks to the wind and the waves, and everything became calm. You remember this? What you might not remember was their reaction. Because once all of that happened, this is what they said. They said, what kind of man is this? Patapas esten utas. What kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Are you tracking with me so far? They're blown away. What kind of unbelievable, unimaginable, what kind of essence is in this person that they have that command of nature? Same writer John in 1 John 3.1 is talking about the love of God, uses the same word. Look, he says, what kind of love Potapain, agapain, what kind of love is this the, that the Father has lavished on us that we should be called what? Children of God. What kind of otherworldly, unimaginable, infinite love would allow us to go from being children of wrath to children of God? It's crazy love. It's that kind of love. And when that kind of love kind of gets into you, we would say it this way, God's love can redefine who you are. It can give you a brand new identity. You, you can see this exchange that's happening that you can go from darkness to light. You can go from old to new. You can go from far to near. You can go from separated to reconciled. You can go from enemy to family because of the love of God. But it's not automatic, okay? Because so, there's, there's an idea that's kind of floating out there in culture right now that says, you know, God's love is so big, God's love is so great that everybody automatically goes to heaven. That's not what the Bible teaches. Don't buy into that lie, okay? It's been taught. It's still being taught. And as powerful as the love of God is, there's one thing that the love of God cannot and will not do, and that is to violate your freedom. God is not going to force you to become a child of God. He's not going to make you become a child of God. It doesn't happen automatically. In fact, we would say becoming a child of God is a choice you must make. It doesn't happen by itself. And in the same way that God had love for us and acted upon that love, we have to receive the love of God and 
act upon that love. It requires a choice on both parts. God chose to love. We choose to respond to that love. Because if God sat up in heaven, he says, hey, I love everybody, but I'm not going to do anything to reconcile you to myself. I'm not going to do anything to pay for your sin. I'm just going to say I love you and then hope, hope everything's fine. No. God said, I'm going to act upon that. In fact, a very famous verse I'm putting in a little bit different phraseology. God loved you so much that he gave his one and only son that if you place your trust in him, you will not perish but have eternal life. This was the activating aspect of the love of God. It wasn't a passive, I love you. It's just love is coming out of me. No, that love is what made the second person of the Trinity, the eternal son, step into time and space as the person of Jesus of Nazareth, God in a body. He came to earth and he lived a perfect life and then he suffered and he bled and he died. He hung on a cross and then he rose from the grave. Why? To invite you to become a son or a daughter of God. That love cost God something. It's free to you, but it's a choice that you must make. So here's the question I want to ask you then. Are you ready to do something crazy? Because I'm inviting some of you to say yes to Jesus and give your life to him right now. And that might seem crazy to you because, well, you've been running from God for years and years and years. And, and you never wanted to be uh, faced with this decision. And you've pushed it off, you push it off, you push it off. You've made so many excuses as to why you can't or don't want to become a Christian. They've gotten so old. And most of your questions have been answered. And people have been talking to you for years about, you know, you really need to give your life to Jesus. And you thought about it, you thought about it, but you just kept pushing it away. And, 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 and you've been kind of guarded about giving your life to Jesus because you're like, hey, I don't want anybody else being in charge of my life, even though you haven't, you haven't done that great of a job being in control yourself. And so are you ready to do something crazy? Are you ready to say yes to Jesus? The love of God is so crazy, it is compelling some of you in this moment to say, I'm in. And if you want to do that, if you want to do that, I'm going to give you some words to put together in a prayer, and you can talk to him right now, and you can get this done. So why don't you just bow your heads with me? If you're ready to say yes to Jesus and receive the love of God for yourself to respond to it, here's the prayer. You say, Jesus, I know that you have crazy love for me. You expressed it when you left heaven and came to earth. I confess that, that I deserve judgment. I don't, I don't deserve your love, but you chose to initiate and activate your love for me. I know that my sin has separated me from you, but I believe that you died on the cross for my sin and you rose again. And I choose you right now as my savior from sin and the leader of my life. Jesus, I give you my life. 
if you prayed that prayer with a genuine heart and said yes to Jesus, right now I just want you to have the courage to lift your hand wherever you are so I can see it, so I can pray for you. You said yes to Jesus, raise your hand wherever you are. Yep. Anybody else? Yes to Jesus. Thank you. Somebody else over here? Yep. Yes to Jesus. Awesome. Okay. Now, if you said yes to Jesus, I'm going to invite you to do something a little bit more courageous. If you raise your hand, uh, even if you didn't raise your hand, but you said yes to Jesus, uh, what I want you to do is I want you to stand up right now so we can celebrate with you. If you said yes to Jesus for the very first time, just go ahead and stand up where you are. Anybody? All right. There may be some more of you, and there may be some of you that are watching online and that responded that in that way. And so uh, here's the first thing that we want you to do. Uh, we want you to text Z-YES to 77411 so that we can reach out to you. And, and tell you what some of your next steps are. But if you're here in the room and you made that decision, the very next step that you can take is to actually get baptized today. And we saw a lot of people do that in the last service. And I know that there's some people here that have said yes to Jesus and they're going to get in the tub today. And that's going to be awesome. So um, here's what we're going to do. We're going to hear the testimonies of some people who've already planned to be baptized, and then uh, we're going to invite others to be baptized. And there's two groups of people that are in the room today that can be baptized. Uh, one, it's somebody who just stood or just prayed that prayer. You could be baptized today. But there's a bunch of you who said yes to Jesus a long time ago, and for whatever reason, you just never got around to it. You've never declared your faith publicly, which is really the very first thing every follower of Jesus should do. So I'm going to ask you to do that. And, and you're like, well, you mean, wait, wait, Scott, you mean, you mean like now, now? I'm like, yeah, now. And you're like, okay, well, I didn't, you know, I didn't come here planning to get baptized. <laughs> and if you've been around here, you know that that doesn't really work, right? Because um, I don't have the right clothes. Oh, do we have clothes, everybody? Yeah, we got clothes. We got shirts and we got towels and we got gym shorts. And so we got that taken care of. What else you got? Well, you, well, you know, I, I kind of came by myself and my family's not here. Listen, following Jesus isn't about your family. Let me just say this really, really clearly. It doesn't matter who's watching. It doesn't matter who's in attendance. It doesn't matter who's looking. When God invites you to take a step toward him, no matter what, you take a step toward him. And for some of you, that means getting baptized today. And for some of you, when you make that decision, it's going to set the trajectory of your spiritual journey because God's going to ask you a lot of times from here on out to say yes to him. And this might be a marker moment. This might be a defining moment that says, wow, this is what it feels like to say, yes, I'm going to go when God says go. So here's what we're going to do. Um, we're going to have those who have planned to be baptized. Uh, they're they're going to be coming, but we're going to sing a couple of songs uh, to give those of you who want to spontaneously respond to baptism to be able to get up. The men are going to go over here. The women are going to go over there. There's going to be a team of people that are going to receive you. 
and they're going to ask you a question. So if you have to go to the bathroom, watch out because you're going to walk back there and they're going to ask you this question. Uh, they're going to ask you, why do you want to be baptized? Why do you want to be baptized? And there's really only one reason. It's not, well, I just finished AA or, you know, I really want to be a better person or, you know, uh, you know I, 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 everybody else was doing it. No, no, no. The only answer is this. I've placed my faith in Jesus for the forgiveness of my sin and I want to follow him. That's it. Are we clear on that? So, now, those of you who want to be baptized... Men over here, women over here, everybody stand up. We're going to sing now. Yeah, okay. And if you're getting baptized, head to the exit doors, and we're going to get going in just a second. God, thank you for your incredible love, this crazy love that overwhelms us, that you have initiated, that, that sent your son Jesus Thank you for those who are in this room who said yes to you many, many years ago and are faithfully following you. But for those who are really making a declaration today, we give you praise for them. For those who said yes to Jesus for the very first time today, God, nudge them, move them, invite them into the waters of baptism to declare their faith and their desire to follow you. We pray in the name of Jesus. Everybody said, amen. All right, let's go.